0: Good to see you all, good to have visitors with us uh, as well this morning. We get those who go away from us, but it's good to see that uh, some of their seats at least are taken by those who return us the favour. Great to see you all this morning. Uh, In your bulletin, you'll see that uh, our theme for this morning um, should be, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? Based on Numbers 13, and actually... Uh, the story does spill over into chapter 14 as well. And it all relates to this incident involved, uh, involving the ch- children of Israel, God's people, and uh, that time when they came to the brink of the promised land, Canaan, and uh, these spies were sent in uh, to spy out the land to explore it. And if we think of what God's purpose and will for his people Israel was, it was that they would be delivered from all those years of slavery in Egypt, if you remember, to be able to know freedom, and then to go and live in this place that God had destined for them, this place called Canaan, what they would know as the Promised Land. Uh, and after crossing the Red Sea in that event known as the Exodus, and that, of course, was a miracle in itself, as they stood still, the Bible says, and saw the salvation of the Lord. An amazing thing, not just to watch, but to be part of, to experience firsthand. And having crossed the Red Sea and escaped from Egypt, Egypt and the enemy it defeated they then spent their first year learning what it meant to be the people of God. They received his law. And they learned to live according to God's law. And then they learned to worship him. As God gave them instructions for this mobile structure called a tabernacle. A mobile building that would go with them wherever they went and they learnt the worship of God. And so they come to the second year of freedom. And uh, that is the event we've been thinking about today, when those spies went to explore the Promised Land. What were they looking for? Well, Mark has already given us something of a summary, but I think it's interesting to note that in verse 2, we see that their task was given to them by God. It was something that God asked Moses to implement. And uh, guidance was given to Moses as to who it should be that should go out to be part of this uh, party of spies going in to explore the promised land. But what were they to look for? It seems as though all the issues were the same for all of them. They were all given their clipboards. (laughs) They were all given their survey sheets. They all had the same tick boxes, and they all had the same time to complete the project. If you'd been in uh, Roots yesterday afternoon, you would have seen that when the treasure hunt was on, that was precisely what some of the kids and their parents were given as they explored the school. They had their clipboards, they had their survey sheets, and so on, and they had to say how long they needed to complete their project. What was on that survey sheet? Well, the people, strong or weak, tick boxes there. What was the land like? Good or bad? What were the towns like? Strong, fortified, yes, oblique, no, delete as applicable. Soil, fertile or poor, bring samples of crops if possible. Trees, yes, no. And then, what is it that they discover about the land? And it's interesting to see that uh, all of the reports are the same. They all came back and said, the land is great. (laughs) Just look at the fruit, the samples that we have brought back. The cities are big, they're powerful. The people, they're big and powerful. And to all of that, it seems as though all of the 12 sites a spy said, Amen. They all said, Amen to that. But then, when the report was given, there were those that came to the conclusion that entering the land was not doable. It wasn't doable. But Caleb spoke up and uh, he dissented from the consensus that had been given to the people and to Moses. And he said, I disagree. We certainly should take possession of the land. We can certainly do it. And then it was later on that Joshua joined in with him and said, and the reason that we can do this is because it's in the purposes of God. This is what God wants for us. God is going to be with us. And because of that, they shouldn't be afraid. Interesting, isn't it, how 12 can go, same survey sheets, come back with the same information, all give the same report, but there's two opposing conclusions and recommendations. Some of you may well have been involved in doing uh, reports, researching things for your companies, or what have you. If you're self-employed for yourself, and you do all your research, and you do all your, what you need to investigate, and you write it all up, and then you come to the, fa- the last part, which is recommendation. Well, normally what we had to do in the companies that I worked for was, your report was probably 40 pages, but management wanted it all on one side of A4, <laughs> And so your 40 pages, you condensed into a summary which was the essence of your findings with a two-line recommendation that came at the bottom. The directors are therefore recommended to invest the sum of X million pounds in this project and so on and so forth. And here we had, Alan's nodding his head, he worked for CGB. He knows precisely what that is about. CGB, for those who are of none of that generation, that's now the likes of British Energy, EDF, and so on and so forth. Back in the nationalized days. How is it that 10 can go, come back with the same conclusion, and give one recommendation, and yet two can come back and give one that is totally the opposite? Well, I think it's quite simply this. That the ten that went in and came back with the negative report, this is not doable. They were simply looking from a human perspective. Simply looking from a human perspective. But Caleb and Joshua, they looked at the situation with a much bigger perspective. They looked at it from God's perspective recognizing that uh, if this was what God was calling them to do, then this was doable. And even though it didn't look doable, it would be. That with God, all things are possible. Because they had the faith. They faith to believe it. Faith is just believing what God says he will do. So it seems to me that the question that we should be posing this morning is not what are you looking for, but how are you looking for what you're looking for? How are you looking for what you're looking for? Is it just through the situation as you see it, as I see it, through human eyes? Or are we looking at it through the eyes of faith, with how God views it? and for what his purpose and will in the matter that might be. Uh, last Monday, uh, we had elders meeting at David's. and David had been away uh, for that weekend to see his new granddaughter, grandchild number four, and that was uh, uh, just outside of London in Kent, a place called Sidcup. And he told us how in the church where Nathan and Sarah go, we know Nathan and Sarah, they, they, they've been to us, visiting us. Nathan, their son. Um, uh, the, a new couple uh, ha, had joined their church in, in Sitka. And uh, they started to go to uh, a home group. I guess they relegated to one. And uh, of course, when they showed up at the first home group, uh, their people in the group just wanted to know who they were. Who are you? What's your name? Oh, he says, My name's Kieran. Uh, oh yeah, what, what do you do? Oh, he said, I play football. And that individual turned out to be Kieran Richardson, who plays football for Fulham. Before that, he played for several years for Sunderland, and before that, for a number of years, after he was snitched from under the noses of West Ham United, where he had been sort of already spotted as a a player for the future, Sir Alex Ferguson came in from Man United and took him up to Old Trafford for several years. And he's got eight England caps. Bit of a sad day for Kieran today because yesterday, of course, Fulham were relegated from the Premiership. He was uh, playing and... uh, He was playing, they were playing, of course, against uh, Stoke City. Uh, If we can have that first picture, for those that would like to see what Kieran Richardson looks like. All right, now he's the one in the foreground. That should be red and white striped shirts. That's him in his Sunderland strip, public school education, and all that. Um, And the guy behind him. Uh, should normally be in red and white stripes. I believe it's uh, John Walters of Stoke. Yeah, anybody concur with that? I wish to disagree. That's about yeah. Looks like John Walters. And the ironical thing was that it was against Stoke that Fulham played yesterday, and Kieran Richardson played, and they were the ones that whopped them <laughs> 4-1 to send them down <laughs> into the into the Championship. And it was John Waters that scored, I believe, the first goal. So, uh, yes, how prophetic is that picture for using this morning? Who could have thought it? So, there he is. The Premier League, the guy has become a Christian. And he kept it pretty much to himself for, it seems, a few years. And then he decided he would become open about his faith. And he did it when he was playing one of the football matches. And uh, it was when he scored a goal. And like Kaka did, the Brazilian player, up comes the shirt. Underneath is a t-shirt, I belong to Jesus. (laughs) I belong to Jesus. In front of goodness knows how many thousand people. And then the time came when he was invited uh, to give his testimony. To tell people how he became a Christian. And he said that uh, all that he could think about whilst he was at Old Trafford was fast cars, booze, (laughs) and sex. I would go out after a game, he said. Get drunk. Go to nightclubs. Meet women. You would think I was having a good life. But within myself, I wasn't happy. And my career went totally off the rails. I thought more of my social life than football. And of course, the old transfer fans uh, could see through all of this, and so could Sir Alex. I expect he had a few hairdryer talks from Sir Alex, or however, Sir Alex went on at the people. And, and the fans would get on his back, calling him Lord Snooty and Mr. Bling. And That was one of the reasons why Sir Alex sold him, because the moment the fans, your own fans, get on your back, you know that your days are numbered, and your prospects are not good. And so he let him go to Roy Keane, that of course for many years played for Man United, um, who was then the manager of Sunderland. And Roy Keane used to call him Baby Bentley, Baby Bentley. And that was because he could remember back in the old Trafford days that... um, Kieran Richardson had bought a brand new Bentley only after a handful of games (laughs) for Man United. Then about in 2007, he met what now is his wife. And she invited him to church where he became a Christian. Picture number two, please. And here he is in his church strip. And... His life, of course, now is so different. He still plays his football. (laughs) Yeah, he's probably wanting to know if God was really on Fulham's side (laughs) yesterday or did somebody pray harder in the Stoke side. But he finds his fulfillment in Jesus Christ. And he finds his fulfillment in serving him. And he finds his fulfillment in doing what he believes God wants him to do. That is how he is looking for what he is looking for and looking to do. So then, when we come back to our story in the Bible today, when the people heard the report, they said, it would be better for us to die in the desert. The majority prevailed, the majority decision. People said, it's going to be better for us to die in the desert. And we need to be careful, you know, what we say sometimes, and particularly what we say to God. Because that is precisely what God allowed them to do. They actually remained in the desert for another 38 years. Another 38 years. It's a long time. Until they had all died, and a new generation of people had grown up they entered into the land. And whereas we think of the actual story itself, and the event of the spies going in, and what they came back, and the fact that eventually they did move into the land, um, what really struck me was <laughs> the tragedy, the overwhelming tragedy of 38, Wasted years. That's a lot of your life to waste. They were brought, God brought them right to the very brink of wonderful things. (laughs) Within two years of delivering them from Egypt. It was there for the taking. But sadly they turned back. They hadn't the faith to believe that what God said he could do. They had experienced all along the way the miracles. Miracles in the deliverance with the exodus. God leading them. God providing for them. God healing them. God blessing them and so on. They actually entered into and experienced the worship of God. But they preferred to live their lives in the comfort zone rather than go forward with God. In faith. They preferred what they wanted rather than what God wanted. They settled for aimless lives as the people of God. Rather than being prepared to pay the cost of doing God's will and what that would take. And in 38 years, they did nothing, nothing to advance the purposes of God. They just marked time. The whole of their choices for life were devoid of faith. Devoid of faith. And they were God's people. And they were God's people. It's a powerful message, I think, to Christians. Paul wrote, when he was writing uh, one of his letters, the second one to Christians uh, at Corinth, We make it our goal to please him, that is God. We make it our goal to please him. And that's what Christians should do. And then we find, a little further on, in the letter called Hebrews chapter 11, that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, because anyone who chose who comes to him, must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We need faith to become a Christian in the first place. Without faith, believing that what Jesus did for me on the cross is what God has done for me to know forgiveness, and be restored to himself. And have his gift of eternal life. And then we need faith to be a Christian. The Christian life is, is, is not just to get you inside the door. And then you carry on kind of living. But like these people mark time for 38 years. Uh, until God calls us in some way. Either through natural causes, death. Or... When Jesus comes again, our lives are meant to be lives of faith. And I find that hugely challenging. Living our lives is lives of faith. In Psalm 18, verse 30, after going through a pretty rough time in his life, David said, As for God, his way is perfect. His way is perfect. And you can't mind the clock back. But <laughs> I'm sure there was a time when certainly Joshua, who lived through this and took the people eventually into the promised land, wished that they could have turned the clock back. Because within two years of coming out of Egypt, they could have been in the land, <laughs> enjoying the fruit of the land, the freedom of the land. And everything that God was providing for them. And they would have known, they would have known that as for God, his way was perfect. I'm sure they came to realize that eventually. But it was after learning an awful lot of hard lessons and going through the wasted years. How then shall we live? How then should we live our lives? How do we look for what we are looking for? We're going to uh, have a video clip now for a few moments. Uh, and it's uh, a lady called Damaris Carbo. Damaris, anybody heard of Damaris Carbo? Now we're a well-informed lot here at Abbey Church. I only know her through uh, Sky TV, uh, God Channels. And uh, she's an American singer. She's Puerto Rican, Spanish-speaking, and uh, born and brought up uh, in New York. And when I was watching the uh, God Channels, uh, when she was on for a series of programs, uh, singing, she was singing with the uh, Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir uh, in in New York. And uh, here she tells something of her story, which is how she came. How she looked for how to find what she was looking for in life.
1: Quickly, I was born and raised in this city. New York, New York, so nice they named it twice. Born and raised in the city, actually, in the South Bronx. And I like to tell people that the South Bronx is a little bit like Nazareth. People ask, can anything good come out of it? I don't know, but I know this, that Jesus can save. Amen. So I was raised in a Christian home. My grandfather was a pastor of a small church back then. It's now a pretty good-sized church, a Spanish-speaking church. My grandfather was a pastor. My parents were missionaries. They actually left for Cuba when I was three months old and were there for about a year and came back. My mom was an evangelist, my father was a singer. And so my heritage is beautiful. I was never abused, I was never neglected. I was never um, abandoned. My mother had more babysitters and she knew what to do with. So I don't have one of those stories of how terribly mistreated I was or sometimes you hear stories about children raised with a family of people in ministry, and they don't walk the talk. No. I had a godly grandfather and godly grandparents that showed me the way. And yet, I was 15 years old when I decided that I wanted to be a pop singer. And I thought, and what's wrong with that? And sometimes when I say that, I think people in the audience say, and what is wrong with that? Well, let me just tell you this my desires cannot be the same as people that don't know Jesus Christ. And even though I was raised hearing this glorious gospel, I didn't understand that I was made to glorify God. Which means that that my desire is that God looks wonderful through me. And that people through me should be attracted to the living God. But that's not what I wanted. I wanted you. I wanted to fill a theater like this one. This would have been nice. This would have been real nice. I wanted to fill a theater like this, and I wanted you to walk out of here talking about me. I wanted you to walk out of here mentioning my name. And you see, it took me a long time to find out how very wrong that is. With the Lord in his mercy, and in his patience, and in his long-suffering. I remember somebody once getting up to say, you know what long-suffering means? (laughs) 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 Long-suffering. And he suffered long with me, and in 1988, I was 33, and Pastor Simula invited me to go with him to Argentina. I'm bilingual, and he didn't know the condition of my heart, or he would not have invited me aren't you glad that God blinds people sometimes? <laughs> and he goes, oh, damners, you can sing in Spanish. This is I'm going to a pastor's conference. You'll be able to just speak to these people and sing to them in Spanish and bless them. And I said, oh, I would love to. You see, since I wanted to go, I, I thought, there's nothing wrong with me. I want to go and do this nice little mission work. Oh, that'd be lovely. Of course I'll go, Pastor Simula. So sure enough, I go. And when I get to Tucumán, Argentina. It wasn't Buenos Aires, it was Tucumán. I got to to tell you, it's just a big difference. So I'm in Tucumán, the hotel that I'm in doesn't even have, my room doesn't even have a phone. And Pastor Simula speaks, and people are worshiping God, and let me just tell you what God showed me that night in Argentina. I had never been with people, honestly, I just told you that I was raised in a godly home. I had never been with people that loved God the way those people loved God. And if you ever want to know if you really love God, you get with somebody that does. And you'll find out real quickly if you love God. And the Lord said to me so sweetly that night, this is the problem, Damaris. You believe in me. You even revere me, but you do not love me. Because if you love me, you would want to give yourself completely to me. And the only thing I could do that night, and it's what I did, is tell the Lord this, I repent. I understand now that I was bought with a precious price. When you're bought by Jesus Christ, your life no longer belongs to you. It is completely his. And I told the Lord, I am so Sorry, but God, I have to be honest with you because you're truth and no one can lie to you. I can't change my heart. (laughs) You know what I want. He told him, you know I want Madison Square Garden. You know I want Radio City Musical. You know that's what I want. And that's still what I want, God. But I at least I understand now that for me to want that, for the reasons that I want it, it's wrong. And I repent, and I'm sorry, and I cannot change my heart. But here it is. And if you can change it, I'm yours. And I am here to tell you tonight that he can change any heart. I wasn't a drug addict. I wasn't a person walking the street. I was a person who had li- lived hearing the gospel and yet very far, honoring him with my lips, but my heart was far from him. But I'm telling you that even those kind of people, Jesus can rescue. God bless you.
0: We're gonna end our service there, formally, but our time together.